Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Well, I'm excited because we have a special guest in the Los Angeles studio. Um, we want to welcome Miss Zoe Lee to the podcast. What's up? Awesome. I am a new LA resident, so you I'm are excited right to be down here. the street. Yeah, I'm pumped. So close. Yay! And we're gonna get into who you are exactly mm-hmm. here in a second. Uh, but I just had you at my mastermind last week, yes. and you spoke to the girls and you told them all about your business stuff, yes. which we'll get into. <laughs> um, how you got started doing yeah, what you're yeah. doing, uh, what you're currently doing, how you help people, how you serve all that good stuff. Uh, but for people who maybe are not familiar with you and we want make sure you guys are following Zoe on, on all the socials, give us a little background on like, kind of like where you came from, mm-hmm. all like a little bit of history, a little, yeah. little childhood oh, stuff. Oh gosh, I can go in so many directions, <laughs> I guess in a nutshell, I'm considered a fitness coach right now. My business is completely online. It was kind of a mix of both in person and online for a little bit, but I just left San Diego, uh, newly moved into LA. I have numerous different online products and services, but I've been in business now for, uh, as of this month, just over eight years, which is crazy. So fun to think. I was like, man, I was still in college back in the day when I was starting my blog. So and I was starting my LLC and everything. And, um, so I initially started as an online coaching business, uh, honestly, as a way to kind of just make side money to pay for my grocery bills in college. I did not fully intend on having this be a full-time career, didn't have any aspirations. I didn't know where it was going to go because as we know, back in the day, the entrepreneur fitness world was so new, especially for a female in the industry to make a successful living. Um, doing something like this was just kind of unheard of. So there was... Um, I faced a lot of resistance back in the day, but this is the only thing, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I, I'm either like super interested in something and I'm all in, or I'm just not even paying attention, right? So as soon as you talk to me about like investment or like finance, like my eyes just glaze over, right? Yep. And so this, I, I, I noticed all throughout my undergrad career, I was pre-med for a while, but this was the only thing that I kept coming back to in my free time. I'd be, you know, stalking other people's blogs. I'd be lurking on different fitness forums, reading about, you know, training and nutrition methods and so on. And I personally had my, I had several different online coaches myself. Yep. Um, but what I found was over and over, I had a really hard time consistently executing the right behaviors to achieve the goals that I wanted. And I kept thinking there has to be something I'm missing. Why am I on this? I have a meal plan. I have this strict workout <laughs> regimen, but why can't I do this? Well, no shit. You're a full-time college student juggling classes and extracurriculars and all these responsibilities. And it wasn't until my senior year of college that I realized, I think it's psychology. I think it's behavior change. And so I started to, just as I was graduating, I started to delve more into the habits and so on. And I was growing my online coaching business at the same time. And within uh, about four years, I was doing really, really well. And I decided that I was successful in my business, but I wanted to do more in the behavior change aspect. So I decided to go back to school. I got my master's degree in psychology. 
And I know that uh, I, I we can go on a whole side tangent about formal education, but for me, it was very intentional. I want to specifically learn how to read research papers with confidence. I want to learn statistics and so on. And so I made that decision to go back, cut back my business by about 60% for the two years that I was in school. And I graduated uh, just under two years ago. And since then, I've hired, you know, I've hired a team of workers under me. Um, we're working together on different projects. I have coaches. I have um, assistants who help with my everyday business, all the behind the scenes stuff. And um, it's funny when I people ask me for business advice, I laugh because I still feel like I'm don't really know fully what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm trying this and I it, somehow it's working, I guess. But uh, a lot of what I do is very trial and error, but I'm super passionate about targeting the everyday average fitness enthusiast, uh, primarily female, who just want to learn how to basically eat well and lift weights without compromising their quality of life. So that's what I'm really focusing on now. This year in particular, I'm making a shift away from taking on one-on-one uh, -on -one clients myself. And I instead, I want to focus more of that time uh, creating content that'll reach more and more people. So speaking engagements, you know, social media content, things like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just had a call today actually with my project manager about how to get smarter about my marketing yeah. side of my business. What was your original background in fitness? Like, um, did you do competitions and all of that stuff? <laughs> don't, I'm like, don't roll your eyes. Yes, I was, right I was that person. I think uh, many of us were. So I've initially, um, I had eating disorder in my early teens. I was anorexic for a while, bulimic. Um, I was a cardio bunny. It wasn't until four years later that I discovered li lifting weights. And that's when I learned about clean eating, the clean eating world, right? And I remember mm -hmm. I picked up Tosca Reno's clean eating Bible. And I would, I would be like, oh my God, I need bee pollen. I need these supplements and these supplements. <laughs> like I was that girl. But it was my first introduction to nutrition and to strength training. So, you know, I went from one extreme to another extreme. And then eventually over the next several years, I finally ended up somewhere in the middle. But um, I did dive into the bikini competition world because I feel like when people think fitness, that's what a lot of people have in their minds is looking a certain way, stepping on stage, getting an orange spray tan and getting awards and so on. Um, so I did compete a few times. Last one was over four years ago and I probably will never compete again because my priorities have just shifted so much. And I realize now that back in the day, I thought that achieving a certain look would mean that you were fit or healthy or something or anything like that. Now I realize the mental health aspect is so overlooked, especially when you're trying to get to contest levels of lean, how much does that fuck with your mindset mm -hmm. and your quality of life? Mm -hmm. And you feel like crap and you're moody and you're no fun to be around. And to me, that kind of defeats the purpose of fitness in the first place. So I don't yeah. do that anymore. Got so it. the last show <laughs> she did, she ate, was it the last show? Did yeah, you, my that, most, yeah. Yeah, so she ate a, a full-size Snickers bar every single day up until the show, right? It was for 10 straight weeks, so 70 days. Um, basically, I was trying to show like, oh, flexible dieting, this and sure. that, right? And here's how you can still get lean and so on. And I, you know, won my pro card, which was cool. Like, oh, and, <laughs> yeah. and I won a pro card. But I was so miserable the whole time. And everyone's like, oh, you should get sponsored by Snickers. I'm like, fuck no. Like, <laughs> I do not want to do this again. And you want to see another Yeah, Snickers. but it's funny because even now it's been almost four and a half years. And some people still remember me for that one thing. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, you're the Snickers girl. I'm like, yeah. Well, you know why? Because <laughs> that was, I feel like that was when flexible dieting like really came on the scene yes. and like reverse diet like all these yes. kind of different that was like in the the pop tart you know I yes. mean yep. pop tarts were yep. a big thing for a while and like cereal cereal was a big thing, uh -huh. you know and at
at that point, that was the first time someone said like, oh, you can be, you know, you can do competitions and also right, eat cereal right, right. or Pop-Tarts, whereas like that wouldn't even be, I couldn't even like look at a Pop-Tart, right? So I think it was the perfect time yeah. to show that. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of women, I felt, feel like at the time talking about that. That's what I've been told by I mean, I don't, obviously, I don't have the perspective of a f- an outside follower of sure. mine, so I never really know because I'm so in my head with things, but I've had numerous people say like, oh, I was following you since seven years ago, eight years ago, since you were still in college and you were one of the few women speaking out about these different topics. And it's cool for me. Something I'm proud of is that I've continued to be vocal and continue to produce content over the years, which I think can be hard to do, especially when you experience burnout or where you're like, I'm actually not that passionate about this anymore. Or, you know, your life priorities change and so on. But I've always like, I think fitness is probably one of the things I have always loved has always been a constant in my life, no matter what. And so um, even now I'm itching to do more with my career and to learn more and to impact more lives. So that's something I'm very happy about. Yeah. And also going back to school for psychology and like mm-hmm. habit change, that was, that's also, that was also different. Like, and if that was one of yeah. that, that was like five, you know, like when you wanted to get into that, there wasn't a lot of people doing that either. No. And then yeah. all we, we, we looked to the psychology field for like they were the experts right like we're sitting here looking at like a bookshelf that yeah. has a lot of those types of books yeah. on it and there weren't a lot of fitness people incorporating that into their coaching at the yep time. and that's I think that's a big part of why I want to do that because I felt like the habits and behavior change was such an important gap in the industry that not enough people and not enough women were talking about and so honestly I think going back to school to me was half for myself because I wanted the confidence in I'm going to read a research paper and here are the results. And the authors say this, but actually here's what I think, right? Mm-hmm. Because back then I was relying on a lot of the abstracts and just re- going, jumping to the conclusions and so on. But also um, in line with what I want to do for my career, I had this feeling, I'm like, I know I know education isn't everything, but I feel like it, this will help my, my career. And that same month I graduated, my income tripled. In one in that same month, and I'm like, there's this, there's no way this is a coincidence. So yeah. so I think with the kind of content I put out and uh, like my services, my products, I get we always ask people like, why do you want to work with Sohi? How did you find her? And that month in particular, it was so many. She takes her education seriously. She has her master's degree in psychology. I feel like she gets it. She understands. So I'm like, you know, maybe depending on what you want to do, it actually does really help you. That's so, interesting because yeah. I never, like I had my master's, but I never talked about it, mm. never told people that I had it, never like, <laughs> it was just kind of like, cool, check off the yeah. list. Like that was a personal thing. I actually have a question though about um, habit and behavior change because yeah. I think so many people struggle with breaking bad habits or yes. changing behaviors. Yes. So what is like a big misconception around like bad habits or like changing and because I, I don't know, I, I feel like maybe people think you just have to replace it with a new one or there's like certain things people think, but what do you think is um, like a big misconception around habit change? I think in terms of behavior change in general, I people tend to think, and Jill, I know you'll resonate with this, that it's all about white knuckling your way to lasting change. Um, but when you really understand how habits work, the habit loop and so on, trigger, routine, reward, you'll understand that with just a few simple but powerful tweaks in your routine or just in your behavior, even changing your environment is actually one of the best ways to change your behavior. You can um, make really effective change, even if it is breaking a bad habit, so to speak, without feeling like you're killing yourself to get to that point. And um, 
you know, one of the best ways to change your behavior is to move. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's like, oh yeah, I'll move. No, moving to a new home, new environment, or traveling to a new setting. Because sure. all of a sudden your routine is disrupted. You have to start a new routine. So you'll see that if you pay attention to any time you move to, move to a new home or go to a new hotel room or anything, your routine tends to change at least a little bit. Um, but breaking bad habits is, uh, I, I feel like it tends to be way overcomplicated. Um and it's not just, oh, try harder, right? Mm-hmm. And I hate that advice so much. Try harder um, because most people already are trying very, very, very hard. Yeah. And that just all that tends to do is just discourage people and make them feel more yeah. frustrated. So, but if we can understand what is the trigger for this given behavior that you're trying to break. So if we can remove the trigger entirely or change it up, then maybe the behavior itself won't happen. Sure. And another way... Uh, in terms of just behavior in general, is to whatever target behavior you have in mind, make that the easier thing to do as much as you can. Mm. So if you want to practice guitar, put it in the middle of your living room when you know you'll walk by and see it every day. Because if you put it in your closet, that might be enough of a barrier of a barrier for you to say, that's too much work for me to go mm. all the way there. And right. So you want to make the desirable behavior the easier thing to do. And then anything that you don't want to do, make that the harder thing to do. Make it more inconvenient. So um, I think that... By default, humans tend to be lazy. Yep. And so if you think about how can I design for laziness and use that to my advantage hmm. and make, you know, the the things I don't want to do, make it so that I feel so lazy that I'm not, I'm not even going to bother doing it. Let's do that. You know, it's, um, I love that so much. And yeah. that's like kind of the first time I've heard that. Yeah. But I think, does behavior change have a marketing problem? You know, yeah, like yes. you, you have made, you, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to get you on because you've done a really great job of making like moderation yeah, and balance right. and all these kind of terms sexy enough that people want to do it. Mm. So when I hear like, if I'm an average person and I'm used to this kind of like all or nothing or black and white or competition or whatever, right. and you tell me like, Hey, we're going to like break our behaviors down and we're going to do this really systematically and it might take a year. Like how yeah. do you get someone excited to do that I think so that was definitely the pushback that I got even at the beginning of my career years ago people are like you know moderation isn't sexy it's not interesting you're not going to get anywhere with it you'll sell you'll make more money you'll sell more products if you go the more extreme route but I'm like but that doesn't sit well with me because I know that's not the best way to do things and I'm like well let me try let me try to make it interesting and I think what I've noticed for myself is my my customers my clients tend to be um, come to me after being longtime followers where they've been like quietly watching and following along what I have to say, my personal journey and so on. And then they see, oh, she walks the walk. Um, it looks like she actually eats carbs and enjoys her life. She's not stressing about her nutrition. I want to be more like that. So it's in my mind, it's been more of a long-term investment in getting people to build the trust over time because I don't look, when I walk down the street, like, people have said, oh, you don't even look like you work out fine. But yeah, I'm like, whatever, (laughs) fine. Maybe you have a valid point, but I also don't stress about my fitness at all. Um, I'm getting stronger over time. I like the way that I eat. And I think when people see that enjoyment aspect in particular, they're like, how can I do that too? So there's kind of like a little bit of an aspirational quality a little bit because they're they're following along. They're seeing how you do things and it looks really easy and it is easy. Right. Now that once you get to the point. Yeah, Yeah. right, right. Get to that point where, um, cause I mean, habits by definition are effortless, but getting to that point can be difficult. And I think that's a misconception that, um, I want to clear up is this idea that, oh, behavior change. Once you understand habits, everything's easy. No, it's not. It's hard. It's 
is hard until it becomes easy. But just as with any skill, you get good at what you practice, so you have to put in the reps. You have to. And then as you put in the reps, then the level of cognitive effort that's required drops over time until it's next to nothing. So yeah. let's uh, do a little scenario. I'm not saying anyone in this room struggles with this, but let's just say you like to have a glass of wine every day at like <laughs> five. I was waiting if we were going to pour some when she got in, but we didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know we didn't have enough time. But so let's just say it's like it's more. It's not that they have an addiction. They're just it's a ritual. Yeah. It's a nice thing. It makes you okay. feel relaxed. What would be the first step that you would? Because you know we do have a lot of listeners who like to enjoy a glass okay. of wine. And it's not, and you you might say, well, you don't have to like not have it ever, but like what, if I want to break that habit. So I think the first thing I would probably do with a client is to find out what that's doing for them. So even if I say like, why do you do that? You might say, I don't know. Right. But then you ask more open-ended questions and they might be like, well, like it helps me unwind after a long day or, you know, there's always going to be some reason, right? Or maybe they're just going for, um, they want a distraction from work or they're stressed out and it helps alleviate the stress for whatever reason. Or it might just be that it's become such a habit that it feels weird not to do it. That might just be that simple. Um, in which case I would say find some way to disrupt the routine or like what you mentioned before, Danny, replace it with a different behavior. So when it's like you feel the urge to grab the wine, I'm going to grab this other drink instead or go for a walk or do something to interrupt that habit loop and repeat it enough times and it will get easier. But I think it's important to set the expectation clear in the beginning that it doesn't feel easy in the beginning at Mm. first Mm. because it's kind of like, um, when people give up on their diets after they miss, quote unquote, they miss a meal, right? And we're like, you're not supposed to get it right from the get-go. The expectation is you are going to mess up. And I think when you make clear that expectation, they're more likely to, you know, more willing to keep trying. Because the point is that when you create a habit, you don't have to get every single day on point. You can miss a day here and there as long as over time, the general trend is most days you are doing this behavior. Um... I think even having an accountability partner or something like that can help. And I would say that's why people hire coaches a lot of the time. It's like, I don't, I know what to do. I just need someone to check in with having an accountability buddy of some sort. So that's probably what I would, what I would say. Oh, also, um, in terms of the, um, trigger, if you get rid of the wine from your home, it's a lot harder to get because the, the, it's not available anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, I always get mad at myself too. I'm like, I didn't bring wine home because I'm going to try to not drink it this <laughs> but now And, and like, then you're like, fuck, it's Wednesday. Where's my wine? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. opening the fridge. Like, where is I it? I did exactly. this to myself. What's yeah. the most common uh, habit or behavior people are trying to break who are coming to you to get help with? Like, what are they usually mm, really I think, struggling with the honestly, most? Honestly, it's more of a mindset issue. It's more of the black and white mm-hmm. mentality. It's the all or nothing. It's, um, I feel like I'm having a bad body image day, so I'm just going to throw in the towel. Or, like, yeah. I don't feel good about myself, so I'm just going to give up. And I think it's important, and I, I could do a better job of this as well, is to talk more about how it's actually normal for your body image to fluctuate every day, for your mental health to fluctuate every day. And I don't agree that everyone should be happy and in a good mood all the time. It's okay to be like, I feel like shit. I'm in the worst mood today. Leave me alone. That's fine. Um, there's a concept called uh, body image flexibility that I published the paper on last year with some other uh, collaborators. And basically, it's, it's the concept that you can – Make an observation about yourself, like I have cellulite on the back of my legs, and not react to it. 
So you're like, you know, you're putting on your shorts and you're like, oh, I didn't know that was there. I have a bunch of stretch marks on my butt. Oh, okay. Oh, well, moving on with my life. And that is a really, really powerful skill in terms of mental health and not getting yourself back in that cycle of, oh my God, now I have to do a bunch of cardio. I have to starve myself. And I think any kind of compensatory behavior like that can be absolutely a slippery slope. And I yeah. think we're actually seeing a little bit of a backlash, especially, and I, I love the, the the way that we're moving like body image, space, yeah, like especially in yeah. social media. It's so great. But I think there's now this like weird shame where like, if we don't love our body every second, yeah. right? Right. That like, oh my the, God, the, like the bod- body positivity movement. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know, I feel like last year in particular was a very uh, backlash heavy year with like the anti-diet crowd and so on. But I'm like, I think both ends are missing details and nuances. And um, if you want to, if you want to get lean, um, you can do that. Doesn't mean you hate the way you look right now. And I think that is what gets missed a lot of time. And uh, I, in the same way, I feel like with body image, people attack body image or talk about body image in different ways then like if I were to pursue a strength goals, no one's like, how dare you shame yourself for your current strength levels, right? That's not what I'm doing. Right. Like it's, I just have goals. And I think that's, oh, it's completely okay to be like that. But even so, it is definitely refreshing to say, oh, you can still love yourself how you are now and still want to change and so on and so forth. I love that. And that's like, yeah. like, so acknowledging that I have cellulite, but not also catastrophizing make it mean, right, right, right. like, oh my God, I'm like, bad or oh like well. I need to do something wrong. It's like, it's more like a body neutral. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think that's like the first, that's def- definitely the first step. But I think, you know, acknowledging, I love the permission that like, it's okay to like have days where it's you fine. are a little bit more yeah. stressed out and also realizing it could be transient. Yeah. It's not like, oh my God, I'm bad. And like, I'm going 10 steps down the road. Yeah. Into- and I think even seeing people who have been in the fitness world for years and years and years, they have those days too. It's not a beginner level thought process or anything like that, but What's important is that you stay the course and keep up your regular fitness routine. Don't start cutting back food. Don't start increasing your cardio. Do, don't, don't do any of those things. And maybe tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll feel better. Yep. Or, you know, spend time around better people. <laughs> like maybe you just have a shitty circle. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. I think we get maybe attached to like streaks, like winning streaks, at least for me. So like I haven't had coffee now in 28 <laughs> days or 20, I don't know, like I've been counting, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about this this morning is, well, I could just have a coffee today and then just not have it again tomorrow mm-hmm. and go on that, you know, go on that life. But then I'm like, I don't want to break that streak. And I think sometimes when people are on a diet and I'm putting a diet in quotes, but if they eat perfectly on the diet and then they go off, they're like, well, screw it. Now I have to start from day one. And you're not starting from day one. When it's coming to like diet or exercise, you're never really starting from day one. And that is a mentality to a mentality shift. It's not AA where you've got like your hundred days streak, right? Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) You're just like, okay, I messed up this meal or this day and I could just go back to what I was doing and I don't have to start from the beginning because I messed up at that time. I think, you know, what's interesting because a lot of my interest in this professionally stems from my own personal experiences and struggles, especially as a teen in my early years, even in my early twenties. And look, thinking back, you know, my, my master's thesis in psychology was on black and white thinking Mm. um, because I was so fascinated by it. But thinking back, I remember when I, you know, had my eating disorder at first, I knew nothing about nutrition. I didn't understand what macros were. I didn't know if butter was a carb. I legitimately knew nothing. And so to me, everything was about, oh, just eat as little as possible no matter what. I didn't even know about protein, nothing like that. So I would go out to eat um, every now and then, like my parents, you know, we'd go out as a family because I was 
you know, a young teenager and I won, I'd throw a tantrum because I was like, no, I just want to stay home and like not eat anything. But it was like, well, I'm out here. And I remember I ordered a burger and fries and I ate everything and I was so mad, but it didn't even occur to me. You don't have to order that and you don't have to finish it either. But it was like the black and white Mm -hmm. mentality was just so automatic that there wasn't even an option. So I think now a lot of my message and a lot of my education is based on what are things that I wish someone had said to me years ago. Like, hey, by the way, you don't have to finish your plate. They're like, what? What? Like, that's such a new concept for so many people. Things like that. So I felt that I thought very similar, and I think a lot of us do. Do you think, and I guess from your research, maybe you know the the answer, Mm -hmm. Um, is that black and white thinking something learned? Because it sounds like we have to unlearn it, but is it a learned behavior, or do you think it's like a personality trait, like type A kind Um, of kids think this way? Maybe both. I don't know the background of it, but I definitely know that it is a perfectionistic characteristic personality trait and it is very characteristic of people with disorder eating so obviously like anorexia nervosa and so on they tend to exhibit higher levels of dichotomous thinking towards food toward everything and I know when I became anorexic all of a sudden even with school with academics I was like (gasps) extremely like I have to get straight A's oh my god and my personality was so like robotic and uptight and it was I was so difficult to be around and I think all of that was related. It was like that mentality encompassed every area of my mm-hmm. life. And then even now, uh, I feel like everything's a continual work in progress. But this now, uh, you know, I just turned 30. I'm now finally starting to become a little bit more laid back, a little bit more relaxed with my food, with my workouts, with like make my schedule, my plans, you know, being agreeable with other people. All of that stuff is just an overall attitude change that affects everything. So you can unlearn it. Yeah. It's just, but it's like, that's the thing is what I always say is like, it's a skill. Yeah. Right. Because uh, years ago, my client said, she's like, extremes are so easy. Moderation is hard. And she's exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's moderation is hard and it's uncomfortable. And I think that's why even when people try to be more moderate, it feels as soon as it feels uncomfortable and uneasy, they bolt. Because they're like, oh, extremes are so much more comforting. It's yep. clear. It's obvious. Eat everything or eat nothing. Mm-hmm. But but then you realize after years and years and years, you're like, oh, this is obviously not working for me because you're miserable. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. I remember I had like this moment and that was kind of like the last straw for me was I remember having this moment of like, okay, I keep trying to do this. Like yeah. I keep trying to like every Monday morning I'd wake up and be like, okay, like this week I'm going to eat perfectly. Like I know I fell off last yeah. week, but this week and like I just started to notice and have the awareness of like, Jill, you're doing this every single week for months and years now. Like obviously it's not working. And I think that was hard for my ego to take. Like, cause oh, I yeah. kept, you know, especially if you that, think you should exactly. be. Oh my God. Ego is huge. Yeah. Cause you're like, well, I should be able to do it. You look at magazines, you look at social media, you're like other you're people. You're like, they're doing it. It doesn't look that hard. Yeah. Right. And so, but then you, you come to find out that it actually is. It is hard. Everyone's lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, right? I would remember looking at oxygen. I'm like, well, they're doing it obviously. Yes. So why can't I do it? Which you know, meeting a lot of these girls later and knowing you're just like, oh, they weren't doing the it things either. things they go through. <laughs> and when you talk to them and get to know them, they're like, yeah, well, you know, as soon as I got off that photo shoot, I would binge my face off for the right. whole weekend. And they never talk about that publicly. Never. Right. Yeah. I remember after my very first show, I gained 15 pounds in two weeks. And I remember feeling so betrayed by the industry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is no one talking about this? Mm-hmm. Like, am I the only one? And I did. I felt so isolated. I was like, they're not talking about post-competition blues and oxygen, you know, and, or any of the magazines. And we actually had Felicia, Felicia Romero on the podcast 
podcast and she would like divulge everything. Yeah. You know, like oh, now she was very have- immersed in that world. I mm-hmm. used to follow her NPC, IFBB figure bikini career. Oh, yeah. 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 And so it was like cool <laughs> to see at like all the different levels. Oh, and we, completely. you know, Danny was uh, a national level competitor and, mm-hmm. you know, worked the booth at, you know, the Arnold and Olympia and all that stuff. And like, I mean, people are just, are, eating everything and they're not talking about it and so obviously I feel like we have a lot more transparency in the industry now which now yeah 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 but you know it reminds me of the parallel of just social media in general when everyone everyone pretends like they have this dream life and then you get to know them you're like you are not happy at all like this is not what your life looks like you spent two hours taking that one photo and then you went back to your like hole in the wall apartment whatever yeah and I'm like oh god everyone lies (laughs) they really do you have you have a really substantial following what has your, been your experience? What changed once you started getting more visibility? Did anything change? Like, what do you have to deal with now that you maybe didn't have to deal with before? Hmm. I think, mm, I wouldn't say too much has changed. If anything, any of like the pressures that I feel are probably self-imposed, but definitely the demand for everything has increased where I feel like uh, everyone wants a piece of you. They want to interview for this. They like, will you do this questionnaire for my student, my class? <laughs> and like, will you give me a, an hour of your time? And I'm like, oh my God, I got to cater to my paying clients first, dude. Like, you know, yep. and I think for me, um, it's been an ongoing struggle. And I, that's one of my goals for this year is to just get better about setting my boundaries, uh, my time, my energy. Um, people, they want one small favor, but then a hundred people want you know, one sure. small favor and how much does that add up over time? And then at the end of the day, I'm miserable. And then the next day I wake up and I'm dreading what I have to do. And I don't want to, and you, you know, Jill, you know, I've talked about this. I don't want to live my life that way. I don't want to ever have it be Sunday afternoon. And then I feel like, oh shit, tomorrow's Monday. Mm-hmm. Fuck, here we go again. Like, I don't ever want to feel like that anymore. I had a job like that. It's just no way for me to live. And so I think, uh, knowing what to say yes to, being very, very selective about even who I let into my life, who I give my time to, being okay with, you know what, I'm probably going to ignore most of the messages that come in. Um, even, you know, telling my assistants, you don't have to respond to every single email that we get asking for a piece of me uh, because that's time that I'm also paying them for to do things like that. Yep. And um, obviously proportionally, you know, like the hater comments and so on will obviously increase as well. And I think it's okay to be like, yeah, that does bug me sometimes, but tomorrow I'll probably be fine. Um, and not being too swayed by by those kinds of comments where I don't want to say, oh, well, so one person didn't like what I said, so now I'm not going to do that anymore. Or I'm going to talk about something different now, uh, especially if I like fully believe in my message and what I'm about. You know, it's yeah. interesting. We have a good amount of listeners that are uh, entrepreneurs, online yeah. coaches are, are moving mm-hmm. in that direction. And it's funny because they, they're like, I really want to grow my following and I want to yeah, get yeah. more visibility, but there's also the additional responsibility and accountability. And like the reality of having more eyes on you means yeah. you're opening yourself up a little bit more as vulnerable. Sure. So yeah, like, pressure. so how, like when you get your first, do you remember like getting your first hater, getting your first troll? What yeah. was, and how did you deal with it? Cause I think a lot, I always tell my girls like get your first hater as soon as possible You'll probably be upset for like a week or two weeks even. Yeah, yeah. You know, and but you'll work through it and you'll see at the end of the day that you survived and it's just a person with a keyboard on the other side of the oh, country yeah. and it's fine. And they'll never say it to your face. <laughs> There's always like, you look at the kinds of people who leave those kinds of comments and you're like, this person's not doing what I'm, you know, that's not know someone that like. I want to yeah. be like. That's not someone I aspire to, to be. Like, I'm sure none of us in this room would ever go out of our ways to leave a nasty comment on publicly on someone's page. It's just... 
it's a waste of your time, right? It's beneath you. And so, yeah, I think ha- having haters is completely normal, but it takes a certain degree of resiliency as an entrepreneur in the online space to see those things and bounce back from it and keep and keep moving forward because I can absolutely see lots of people uh, getting overwhelmed by that kind of pushback and then shutting down and yep. quitting everything. Yep. And uh, that's something I think that talks loops back to just overall mental health and being around good people, having like, you know, people who really support you in your life and believe in what you're doing. Um, even if that means getting off social media for a while or turning off the comments or something to protect your sense of self, your self-efficacy, all those things are really important. Um, so yeah, as I said, it's normal for it to affect you, normal for it to make you feel like crap for a little bit, but you will come back from it. And a year later, you'll think back, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that comment. Haha, <laughs> moving <laughs> yeah. on, right? Or you just don't remember. You're like, oh. You're, yeah, you're yeah, like, it's like, what? Why yeah. was I crying? <laughs> like, why was I so upset? I don't even remember. Yeah. So it's one thing to say yeah. that for like a stranger troll on the yeah. internet. But what about closer friends and family? How much support have you had from close friends and family? Because I know a lot of times we have entrepreneurs who listen to this and their family's like, I don't know what she does. Like we don't, how do you have this business on the internet? So does your family know what you do? Do they support they, it? Are yeah. they like, what I, are you? they are very supportive now. Definitely in the beginning. They were like, what? You're online? What? <laughs> they're like, yeah. you're going like, to be going to pers- get a job. <laughs> right, right. They're like, online personal trainer? Like, that's a dead end job, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. And they would definitely say stuff like that. I'm like, oh my God, this is not helpful. Right. But to me, by that point, I was like, I just feel like there's not really any other option for me career-wise because there's nothing else I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I know this space is new. I know... Uh, I feel like there's a space for me out there. I feel like I have a voice. I feel like I'm a decent writer. I have good things to say. So I'm just going to try it out and see how it does. And what really helped in the beginning, it's funny now because I feel like I almost have more fear now than before. I It was like a naive, you know, like ignorance is bliss, kind of like yeah. enthusiastic, having no clue the risks involved with what I was doing. I was just excited. Right? Yep. They call it ignorance on fire. Yes. You're just <laughs> and that helped me tremendously because... Uh, I was able to put myself out there over and over and over. I didn't have any kind of mental resistance over like, what if no one likes this? What, no one, what if no one buys my product? To where I was making six figures within my first year of business. And I didn't even know back then that how how like coveted that was. I was just like, oh, cool. And now I think back and I'm like, that was badass. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, that was me. I didn't even know. But yeah, the, I think the ignorance really, really helped. And now I think it took within the first year seeing oh she is making money and especially now like oh you've spoken at numerous national conferences and you uh release these products and you're putting on seminars and these people this many people are coming out they're like oh this is a legitimate legitimate thing so even if they don't fully understand what i do or how i spend my time or like when i'm home that doesn't mean i'm just lounging around like leave me alone to work they still it's like that's still a funny thing they, they're like barging to my room they're like oh my god i'm working <laughs> you know that always happens still but they know well, she's obviously doing something right because she has this many people working for her. She's making this much money. She had this many followers. She keeps getting opportunities left and right. So it took some time. Uh, but I think that is also very, very normal. Yeah. 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 It's funny. It's, um, it, I feel like once you come with the confidence, at least that was my experience, mm-hmm. is like, I think our parents' generation don't, oh. yeah, like, just don't so even they're like, understand. entrepreneur online, what? They're what like, don't that? you know that 90% of small businesses fail? Yeah. You know what You're I mean? You're like, like, it's true. Weird, and I beat weird, the odds. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like this yeah. weird metric from, yeah. like, yeah. the 50s that, like, when we were talking about mom and pop businesses, is totally different. 
And so it almost takes your confidence in yourself to, which is a weird kind of switch because you're yeah. like, I'm looking to you for support and they don't give it. And in my experience, as soon as I was the one who didn't need the support, I got the support. Yeah. And, and I found, especially early on and obviously now too, it was relying on my peers, people who were already doing what I wanted to do, but maybe they were a little bit ahead of me and who understood it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, I see potential in you. Keep doing what you're doing. And they're the ones who encouraged me. Oh, try this. Let me put you in contact with this friend of mine. And then I think without, and that's, I think networking, I, that yeah. work kind of makes me cringe, but just the people, you know, in your industry absolutely makes such a big difference. I can think of a few key people who catapulted my career, you know, everything will be so different now without their help. So who, you know, absolutely matters. Here's just a quick interruption in this episode to give a shout out to CBD for Life, our sponsor of this episode. And I want to talk about the products today, the skincare line. So they have an amazing healing face cream and eye serum that I've been using for the past month and a half. Although I I would say I've been using the eye uh, face cream for a month and a half, although that only lasted me about three weeks because my boyfriend started using it as well. So um, make sure if you get some of this cream, you get maybe a second one for your partner or spouse so they don't steal it from you. But it is so moisturizing. It feels so good. It is nice and creamy, not greasy at all. The eye cream feels super amazing and calming to the skin. And I personally have very sensitive skin. I've break out with a lot of different things and I have had no issues with this product. So absolutely love it. If you go to cbdforlife.us, you can click on the self-care line, click on the face. And of course there are bundles. So you can try a bunch of different things. So I would love for you to check it out. If you go cbdforlife.us and use the best life at checkout, so you get 20% off, let us know how you like it. And we'll see you back in the episode. Yeah. So what would you recommend to, and I want to get to maybe who some of your mentors were yeah. and some of the resources that you yeah. recommend, but let's just say you are a personal trainer, you're working full time. Maybe you live in the Midwest mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, well I'm not in LA. I'm not in New York. I don't know anybody. Like I'm the best personal trainer in my area, but it's a small town. Yeah. What would you recommend? Okay. Networking. Great. It's easy for you. Zoe. like you're in touch I'm in with, LA. Yeah. yeah and you're yeah. in touch with these people, yeah, and those people right. and you're going to conferences. What would you recommend first step for them to be like, okay, I need to... I want to maybe have a mentor or I want to meet other people in the industry who are maybe five steps ahead of me. Sure. I think getting online is huge. And uh, whether you want to be known as your own individual fitness brand by yourself or you want to be a part of a team, I think having some kind of social media platform, I would recommend multiple, definitely more than one. Uh, cause you never know if Instagram goes down one day, you don't want to be fucked, uh, which just happened to happen like, you know, last year, twice yep. or so and people were flipping it. I'm like, huh, you guys should think better with your businesses. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely not do, do just one platform and, uh, start following the people who you want to connect with. And I think, I think there's a way to do this. That's not sleazy, but get on their radar, you know, comment on their posts, maybe like DM them, have startup organic conversations as much as you can but to me I would say speaking from people who try to you know connect with me one of the biggest things is getting in front of their face so if they're going to be at a conference go to that conference and meet with them in person or uh, go to one of their live events that they're hosting and pay for their seminar travel pay for your own travels your hotels I think that is big because to me I'm like oh my god this person went all the way came all the way from like Florida to meet me my face they paid all this money and I know it's annoying to spend a weekend it's like it's a huge it's a huge ask 
but they're in front of your face. They're learning from you. And that to me makes a huge impression. Like I won't even hire people anymore until I've met them face to face at least a couple times. And one of the best ways to do that is to come to one of my live events and show me, right? And I get to know you as a person. I get a vibe from you. Do I like your vibe? Do I not? Do I trust you? And then from there, continuing to keep in contact. And then maybe now and then like, hey, do you want to collaborate on this one tiny thing, like this small ask and see how it does? Um, use this as a chance for me to um, show you my credibility, show you show off my expertise. And then from there, maybe you'll build trust in me. And then from there, over time, you can maybe ask for another favor or help them in some other way. So that's, that's how to get in my, in, at least on my side, uh, okay. how to get in my good graces, so to speak. I love yeah. those tips. We talk so much about going to live events and doing oh, that. I it get makes so such a difference. I know, and I always get like borderline angry. Yeah, it's, it's because I'm like people, I don't know if you guys way, but I get people yeah. in my DMs all the time being like, I want to come to one of your events. And I'm like, motherfucker, there's come. tickets available. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's always like when you announce an event, people are like, um, can you come here? Like, oh. no, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh God. I mean, I understand the intent, but also if you wanted it bad enough, you want to learn enough, you want to connect yep. with me badly enough, you would make the trip. Cause I've, I've yeah. flown across the country numerous times for events. Yes. I, I had an event a couple of years ago in Nashville with a friend of mine. She lived in New York. I lived in, I don't know where at the time, maybe Vegas. So neither of us lived in Nashville. Yeah. And I just remember people going, come to Canada. I was like, what there are airplanes so oh yeah i'm going to nashville to fly yeah. so you have to cut like we're all meeting in the middle it's not even like it's in my backyard like i'm going to this place for my own event as well so oh, yeah i just it does um yeah it's like i do understand they're like come to me but you're also going look i'm making an effort to put this all together so you're gonna have to make an effort to come this way yeah or sometimes you're the one traveling oh absolutely so. and i think to me it's kind of the mindset of like i have to tell myself okay if they're the ones they're like an hour away from the venue and they're like, it's too far. Like, I probably don't want you as a customer yes. anyway, yes. really. And those are not the kinds of people that I want to serve. And that just reminds me that I'd have to tell myself and my coaches all the time, not everyone is going to be the right person for you, the right customer, the right client. And you shouldn't want all the followers in the world because most of them are going to be a mismatch. Yeah. Mm, in the same way so that true. like all of us could have way more followers if we uh, presented, uh, presented ourselves on social media a certain way, but we'd have a lot of like dudes yep. right a lot of guys who are <laughs> never gonna buy our product they're just like creepy sleazy guys right why would you want those followers they're not gonna do anything for your business yep so yeah. true <laughs> so how would you recommend that people grow their following and bring in the right yeah people? so the way that i've done it i think is a little bit different from the norm in fitness i've been very very education heavy i give away so much free content all the time uh but in that way because i want to be i'm trying to build my reputation as an educator that is my goal thus i have to keep presenting myself as an educator here's me with an infographic and here's a well-written caption um now here's a video of me talking comfortably about a topic to show you that i know my shit because anyone can spend three hours writing a caption, Googling this and that, but not actually know what they're talking about. Or they can just copy and paste someone else's yeah, <laughs> words, yeah. which happens all the time, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but I can't sit here on camera and be like, yeah, so this topic, so-and-so, here are the nuances, here are the details. And I can't fake that expertise mm -hmm. on camera. So I love doing that. I love doing like you know, any way to get the knowledge out there, to share, share the knowledge, share that. And then every now and then, Oh, here's a product for you. And Jill, what everything you always talk about, like lots of free content. And then every now and then you push a service, a product, something. And then by then they want to buy from you. They're, they're already, they're like, please give me something to learn more from you or to support you in some way. So that's been huge. I think, um, people, a lot of people apply for coaching and so on when they feel that I'm very relatable. 
so this is kind of funny, but we get a number of applications who, uh, from people who want to work with me because I'm also a small female Asian. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> even though I never talk about it, like they just yeah. see it. Right. And they're like, Oh, a female Asian, another girl who lifts weights. Um, I want to be, I want to work with her. So it's the relatability aspect. Yeah. So I think, um, being somewhat open about your own life and your own personal struggles has been huge. When I started opening up about like my personal life details last month, the number of messages that I got about like, Oh my God, my relationship, this and this and this and this, my marriage, this and this. And I'm like, Oh my God, they just want someone who feels like they understand, you know, that's what they want. Real quick interruption to talk about one of our sponsors, Beekeepers Naturals. So I first heard of this product actually at an event. I got some free little honey sticks. They were honey sticks with CBD and I thought these are very delicious. Uh, and then we were reached out to to have them sponsor this podcast. And so I was already very interested. Uh, it's a really high quality product. I've heard so many positive things about products from bees. In fact, I used to use bee pollen in my um, in my competing days on my oatmeal every single day. And so I actually picked up some of the chocolate honey and the regular honey from Beekeepers Naturals. And I take this literally on a spoon every single day just to help boost my immune system. And of course, it tastes delicious. I mean, it is honey. What can I say? So if you guys want to try this amazing product that is really just products that help your body with its own defense, with its own immune through nature instead of who knows what is on the shelves out there, check them out at beekeepersnaturals.com. Of course, we hook it up at The Best Life, so use The Best Life at checkout. You'll get 15% off anything you order, and we'll see you back in the in the episode. I love the... Oh yeah, just the last thing I, I wanted to just comment on the relatability piece yeah. because we work with so many trainers and we hear from so many trainers who think you have to look a certain way. Mm. And I remember when I was like 24 when I started training at the gym and there was a woman who was probably 45, um, you know, gray hair, a little bit overweight. And I remember thinking, why would they hire her when they can hire me? Because uh, I'm so in shape, yeah. right? But she was so busy all the time. And I realized oh. it was like, there are certain women who look at that as like, they're not trying to be a 24 year old competitor, right? They like to train oh, with me yeah, would be intimidating. Right. So to train yes. with this older woman Absolutely. who looks like they look. So it's, it's, is important just to like really embrace your uniqueness, whatever your body type is, shape is, ethnicity is, because there are people that will want to come because they're like, she looks like me or she has the body, I, yes. the body type that yes. I have. And not everyone needs to have like the same, you know, competition kind of. Yeah. And I think com trying to come off too perfect oftentimes does backfire because mm -hmm. people are like, that's, I'm not perfect. I can't relate to that. But, uh, like I know for sure if I was new to fitness, if this was, you know, 10, 12 years ago and I was looking for a trainer to hire, I wouldn't hire the girl who looked ripped. Cause I'd be like, yep. Oh, she's going to judge me. She's going to, yep. you know what I mean? I would go for someone who looks more compassionate, looks kinder, looks like someone I could talk to as a friend. Yep. That's who I would go for. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so good. Um, so I know you and I've had some side conversations and I know that you're using your newsletter a little bit more oh, and being oh, trying. consistent. <laughs> Even today I'm like, oh, this barrier of resistance. Yes. <laughs> but you've yeah. been sharing a lot of kind of just personal stuff and yep. you know, kind of like relationship stuff. So um, 
tell us a little bit about what's going on on the home front. Yes. So, uh, oh gosh, I did divulge a lot in my newsletter, didn't I? Um, so, <laughs> you well, know, you divulge to the thousands of people that are going to listen. To this yeah. Episode, so too. I was, I was basically the a short story of it is that I was, I was in a long-term relationship for four and a half years with someone actually in this industry with a very big following, very powerful, very popular, who the entire four and a half years never want to be public about our relationship. So even to this day, most people don't even know that we were ever together. And um, he's the reason why I moved to San Diego in the first place. Um, and we were living together, had just bought a house together and so on and so forth. But I mean, I know both of you can completely relate to this, but it was, you know, basically the entire relationship never felt that great. It was always this like lingering insecurity of, I feel like something's not right. Or I feel like um, I would always say to him, I feel I am concerned about your lack of boundaries with people, mm. about the details that you would divulge, like way TMI with other women, um, how you had a very casual, flirty relationship with so many women, um, but you would he would continually dismiss me, gaslight me, and would say things like, you know, if you really trusted me, like mm -hmm. if you weren't so insecure, we wouldn't be having all these fights and so, so on. Oh, yeah. And it was always slipping stuff on me. And uh, it was just ongoing, 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 where I never felt that good. And anytime I tried to any, raise any kind of concern, I'd just be yelled at, dismissed, right? And so I just learned to shut up, keep my mouth shut. Um, but also because I was not allowed to be public about that relationship, I found myself, even from a business branding perspective, hiding a big part of myself, sure. which, you know, with what we do, you are your brand in many ways. And I was only showing like, here's work. So he, here's professional. So he, that was it. And, um, I didn't, it didn't feel authentic to myself. And so, um, a few months ago, I, I basically had a mutual friend, a concerned friend who I went out to lunch with him and he told me to my face after, uh, I had received like an, a random email from an anonymous reader follower. Uh, and this person, my friend uh, confirmed that basically my ex had been having an affair with his assistant for over a year and had been lying to me. And that was the one person the entire time we were in San Diego. I was like, I just don't feel good about this person. Are mm -hmm. you sure there's nothing going on? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And turns out I was right the whole time. So in some ways, obviously, what happened then was probably like the shittiest two months of my sure. life. Course. Um, because I was in shock. I was like, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? And I think I was in such shock that I kind of kept going through the motions of staying in the relationship, moving to our new house because we had just bought the new house um, th the following week and being like, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to keep doing the things and keep Right. Yeah. And you're also like, I think now, there's a what? misconception that like you just leave right away. But you're like, oh, oh no, it took a while for it to really right. hit me. And then um, I had some two really good friends who I had, you know, let them in on everything, even though it was very like, you can't tell anyone because we're both in the same industry and I can't let anyone think poorly of me and how dare you. And then it was also like, well, you know, a, a few days later, well, you know, like really it's your fault because of these things, these things. And you were like this. So Damn. like, really, you should blame yourself that this happened. And yeah, this never would have happened if you weren't like this and you pushed me in that direction. And it always, it was just always like continually flipping on me. And I was like, man, I don't think this is healthy. And so, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no shit. And so it took two very concerned friends who we had like, we had an intervention basically in Miami. We, we all met there. And over the course of the next four or five days, as I was with them, I was telling them more about the things he would say to me, the things he would like, the, how he would treat me and so on. And they were like, one, they didn't say it like this, but basically the conclusion was one, this is the most dysfunctional relationship I've ever heard of in my life. Two, he is 100% abusing you. 
um, just because you don't have bruise marks, you know, it's the whole, like, just because you don't have bruise marks doesn't mean it's not abuse. It's verbal abuse, emotional abuse, some physical abuse, um, and you deserve so much better. And it was, took that trip for me to realize by the end of it, like, you're right, I do deserve better because my self-esteem had been so battered over the past several years that it was kind of like, well... I had, I had settled for it. This is the best I'm going to get. This is the best I deserve. So even though I don't feel that good, it's the sunk cost fallacy, right? Like I've already invested so much time into this that, and this is a comfortable life, albeit unhappy. This is comfortable and familiar. So I'm just going to stay. And they were like, no, you need to leave. You need to leave. You deserve so much better. And, uh, when I got back, I made my decision. I'm like, oh my God, you're right. So, but it was still slow. It was still yeah. like, well, maybe I'll stay in San Diego, but I'll just get an Airbnb. So I'll do like a lateral move for now. And, and then I'll look for another place in San Diego because I have a studio. I have clients there. I have, and so on. And, and I think in my, in my mind, it was like making that leap to just leave was, was still so hard. So that was maybe that my way of kind of reconciling with that. But, um, what happened was like, he could obviously sense that I was pulling away emotionally. Uh, my attentions, I was just not that invested in the relationship anymore. Cause I was starting, I was like slowly making my way out yep. and he did not like that at all. Yep. And so, uh, one night I came home, he goes, what are you going to do for over the weekend? And I'm like, well, I think I'm going to go, you know, see my family in LA. I have parents in Fullerton. I'm going to see them for the weekend and just take some time away. And when I get back, I think I'm going to, you know, go to an Air- Airbnb with the dogs and then, um, I'll probably find a home for myself then. Mm. And as I was saying that he stood up out of his chair, keep in mind, he's like twice my size. And he goes, in that case, get the fuck out of my house right now. Dang. something along those lines i don't think okay. it was verbatim i don't even remember i was in such shock and i remember yep. my body just i felt this heat all over my body all of a sudden i'm like because i was like threat right physical threat yep. Yep. and i was packing all my things to leave the house because i'm like okay i guess i'll leave right now i have nowhere to go but i'll leave and he was like following me this close you know six inches from my face around the house as i was packing screaming at me obscenities like calling me terrible names um and i'll skip the really uh, gory details but basically I got kicked out that night and I was like okay well it's uh, 10 40 at night I guess I'm gonna drive up to my parents house right now I don't know where else to go in San Diego there's nothing else for me here yep. and that's the weekend because I was in such shock I was like that's when I was like I have to leave yep. like mm-hmm. I have to actually leave and in a way I'm almost glad that happened because I got to see the ugliest side of him that I was so blind to before where and you were aware and you were open to it too because you had just had that re- that like weekend yeah i was like oh oh my god you're right like all these years oh that's not normal to be called these names and so on and so forth like oh that's not normal it was like oh i had become so accustomed to everything that i didn't even question the way that he sure. was treating me and yeah. so on it's hard to see it when you're in that space especially it's when so you're hard. with someone for that long yeah because it creeps like it's oh right. it was so gradual right and um and it was hard to to see too because you know from an outsider's perspective people are like oh you're doing so well professionally you're making good money you've got a good following you're putting on seminars your life is great you're leaving san diego so when you hear that you're like yeah it is it is good right uh but obviously they don't see any of the behind the scenes yeah. stuff and they don't feel what i'm feeling all the time and people were, people were like, you know, it's not normal to feel insecure in re- your relationship every minute of every day. I'm like, oh, it's not? You know, things like yeah. that. I'm like, oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> and I remember the day that I was moving out of San Diego, I was staying with that same friend who had, you know, told me everything. And he was talking about um, 
how, you know, he's like, you know, next year is going to be such a good year for you. You're, you're free. You get to be, live your life exactly the way that you want. And we were talking and he said something about like battered woman syndrome. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, that was me. And I Googled it. (laughs) I Googled it. I'm like reading the symptoms, the signs, and I'm like, that I had battered woman syndrome for so many years and I didn't, I never would have thought that was me because you're like, when you're successful and you're independent, you're whatever, independent, competent, you never think that would happen to you. And you always think, oh yeah, I would never tolerate that. I would leave. I would never. And, um, but it, it did happen to me. So that was kind of a shock. And, uh, so that was, how long ago was it? Almost three months ago now. Oh, no. No, it was just under two months ago. But my life is completely different. I moved. Uh, I realized I cannot stay in San Diego. I had to move to L.A. Um, I, so I decided on L.A. because I have friends here of my own. Uh, my family is nearby. So I moved here. And and that's why I started traveling for mm-hmm. a month. Basically, I had had a seminar planned in Sydney uh, in December. And I was going to stay there just long enough to do the event and come back home. Because that's kind of what I had I would get like, you know, called names and so on if I stayed for any longer out of town. So I was like, keep it as short as possible, come back. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, I want to add on extra days, (laughs) stay for longer. Uh, And then so I ended up being gone out of the country for almost a full month, which to me was so different from always being home and being afraid to travel in case lest I be called selfish and greedy and only caring about myself. And this is a so he world. And I'm like, oh, I can do whatever I want now. So that was kind of part of that. And also just being knowing that I was physically that far away from him, obviously mentally was like very refreshing to have that happen. And so in my newsletter, I was like, you know what? I'm so sick of hiding this part of my life. I'm sick of people, especially women feeling like they're not allowed to speak up and share their stories. I'm going to do that. Yep. So I talked to numerous friends of mine, including, you know, Doc Jen Fit, because she went through something similar. And I decided, okay, I'm going to share my story in my newsletter. Um, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm always trying to be tactful still. And I'm not going to be the person who di- airs her dirty laundry. I don't want to be like that. But I want to, I want to come at it from an angle of, if you're in this situation, which I know there are many of you silently suffering out there, I hope you know, there is a better life for you out there. And I've had numerous people since I have, um, Someone very close to me right now just left her husband for something similar. And she was like, seeing you uh, face all the unknown and still moving forward inspires me to keep going. Yeah. And that's that's really what I wanted, right, to have happen, ultimately. We, we had some people ask a question, um, well, of like, when, as a friend, should you or should you ever say something? So you had your friends Ugh. kind of confront you. So what did they do right? Yeah. Um, and how did that work out? Because I, I know that we can maybe, maybe we see, maybe we're like, we've been seeing some stuff going on. We want to talk to you, but you're not in a space to um, take it. So most of my friends actually did not say much of anything uh, until the very, 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 very end. Because part of it was they didn't want to intervene, right? Um, because you're not going to change until, unless you're ready, no matter what anyone else tells you. But also part of it was I was protecting him. They didn't know the extent of everything. And I remember as soon as I, I, I waited until after I got kicked out to even tell my best friend on the phone and who is also in the industry, has known him for so long, follows him, loves his stuff. Um, as soon as I told him, uh, told her on the phone, she immediately burst into tears, like right away. She was like, I had no idea. You hid this so well. You always speak so highly of him. I was always like so protective, right? 
Um, it's like, you know, protecting your abuser, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so I feel, and I was, I, I felt like I was kept pretty isolated where even a few months ago, I was like, you know what, you know, I love San Diego. It's beautiful, but I don't really have friends immediately in the immediate area. Most of my friends are in different cities, different countries around the world. So I was pretty isolated and, um, I don't think that was entirely coincidental, you know? So there wasn't really an opportunity for, for a lot of people to speak up, even if they, you know what I mean? Um, but I think it was the, the way that I was basically over time convinced that I was in a bad situation. It was a very like gentle, very gentle, like, I'm going to ask you an open-ended question and you tell me more about this and this and this. And sometimes all it was, was seeing their look on their face when I said, oh, and this happened to me. And then, um, their eyes would like fill with tears immediately. And I'm like, oh, it's fucked up. Like, that's what it took oh. me to be like, oh my God. Wow. And then I would start bawling my eyes out. Cause I'm like, I thought all these years, I thought it was normal. And three years later, I'm telling you this happened and you're crying right away. Wow. And so that's the stuff that was like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe I've been so blind. So it was a very non-aggressive approach. It was never like, I'm going to sit you down. You need to leave. We're going to do this. It was never anything like that. But, but it was not only that, but then as I, uh, after I came back from that trip, I started slowly telling more and more people, you know, cause I was like, you know what? I'm so done protecting him. I need to stand up for myself, get the support that I need. So I think one by one, reach out to a friend. Hey, can we FaceTime? I have to tell you something here's what's happening. And then their reaction, like the anger, the, like that's the stuff that made me realize, Oh, I, I do, I do deserve better. And it was like one person, one person, one person. Um, so that's really what it was. And I honestly think if it weren't for my friends, I would never have left. I think I would have stayed. Um, cause it was, I was scared. It was scary. Like moving to a new city and, uh, starting everything over was, was mortifying. And honestly, even like seeing Jill's post, I would tell you, seeing you speak so openly about, you know, two years ago, I moved here to LA. I had no friends. I had no one to call my own. And now you're living a very happy, fulfilling life. And I would see that. And I remember going to one of our mutual friends and being like, have you seen that post? I want to do that. And I did. So it's stuff like that. So that's why I was like, I have to talk about this because if I do this, even if these women end up changing their lives for the better because of me, but they never tell me about it, that's fine. I just want to know that people aren't staying in these shitty situations and staying quiet about it. You know, I love just how open you are about it and you've been with your newsletter. And obviously it's like your trusted people and you're being open with us because we have had Dr. Unfit on the, uh, we've had her on the podcast. We had Nagar who's, you know, was in two very narcissistic relationships and she talked very openly about that. We've had Sierra on the podcast. Like we're seeing more and more of these very like, you know, traditionally like independent, strong, you know, successful, all true. Yes. But dealing with this stuff in the background. Oh, yeah. And like I, quietly suffering. Quietly suffering. And then, and it's coming out a lot more. And I, I love that we're, there's not a stigma around it, or at least we're kind of less starting, so now. Less so. Yeah. Right. And like, it's, it's obvious to be listening to you talk, and this is not the first time for you to tell a story, that you have a degree in psychology because, yeah. you, because you're, you're, you don't judge it as much mm. as I think a lot of people would. Right. Mm. So instead of going like, so you, maybe you had those moments of how could I have been so blind or like, I can't believe I got sure. Yeah. So how do you deal with those kind of things? Cause I think the the self judgment on top of the already shitty that situation. That was hard. Yeah. For a while. How do you, how do you work through that? Uh, I had to change my environment. I had to be around better people. I did a huge overhaul of my life. Uh, not, you know, in terms of like who I gave my time to and who I would even talk to friendships and so on. 
And so anyone who I felt like wasn't uh, like supportive of what I was going through and what had happened, or if I felt like they were siding with him, which happened too, which that's been kind of maybe a little bit difficult to deal with. Like, it's like the, I feel let down by humanity kind of feeling, but just being around the right people has been huge for me. And, um, one thing that was particularly powerful for me, and I had, I was already past that point. I had already made the decision to leave and so on, but I had lunch with Sierra one day, uh, just in Marine Del Rey before I actually moved out here. And she was saying, she goes, if this person in this industry that you're, that you were with was not who he was, right? If he didn't have his reputation, if he didn't have his following, his power, his fame, would you have tolerated any of this? And I was like, no. Hmm. And just that question, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Wow, I can't believe I did that. But I think in the same way, I think back to now, how many people, knowing what happened, they still continue to support him, still tag him, still, you know, it's because of him, because of his reputation. Mm -hmm. So it's like they're willing to overlook uh, the ugly parts of someone because of the power, because of the pull, because of what they can do, how they can get ahead with that person's help. Mm-hmm. And that has been somewhat disappointing to, yep. to see. Yeah, that's normal. I yeah. mean, in the grand scheme yeah. of things, so this has been kind of a, it has been a quick kind of transition. And obviously so much of the work that you've done on yourself, yeah. it shows. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Whereas I think for a lot of people, they deal with the, sh- like they'll, they'll deal with shame on top of embarrassment oh, yeah, on yeah. top of, and that stuff always happens, but it seems like you've been able to really make a switch fairly quickly. It's been, it's been fast. And, uh, actually a few weeks ago, someone on Instagram messaged me and she was like, you know, I've been following you for years. And I feel like the past two months, you really grew a set of balls. <laughs> and I was laughing. I'm like, ovaries <laughs> but I'm like you know you're what you're right because uh, I I've noticed and just thinking back to um, my entire adult life and I wrote about this in my newsletter too I've always struggled with social anxiety and um, becoming like a hermit and when I feel like I'm struggling with anything I'll just withdraw and I think when I'm like that hasn't worked <laughs> right yeah. like that hasn't really done any good for me and even though obviously it's not bad to have a day to yourself every now and then or take a weekend off and not see anyone um, I think when everything happened I was like the last thing I should do even though right now what I want to do is just curl up into a ball for two months and disappear one was I have five people working for me who depend on me where if I stop posting and disappear their livelihoods are screwed so for them I have to show up um, I've got two dogs who need to be taken care of and walked and so on, like little things like that over and over. Uh, I I have to um, be an example for other people because, you know, there is with having a following, whether you like it or not, you are a role model by default. Um, so I was like, you know what? I have to keep showing up. And so I just honestly, I forced myself to catapult in the opposite direction of what I really wanted to do. So I'm like, I'm going to travel for a month. And, um, you know, being around the right people absolutely help. You know, I'm in a new relationship now that yeah. is completely different from how it was before. And that was, that's been completely life changing. And it's like the complete opposite of everything that I had that before in a really good way. And so traveling, um, new experiences, going out to the Great Beer Reef, all those things were so, so helpful 
and just being like, okay, just go out and try, go out and try. And you you feel the discomfort. It's a lot like when I tell my clients, you know, I know moderation is uncomfortable, but feel it and do it anyway. That was my kind of in my back of my mind, like my mantra, like this is scary. Keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And I would all, I just kept getting all this positive reinforcement from followers online being like, oh my God, you look so happy. I'm like, yeah, cause I am. (laughs) And, but it was those comments. I got so many of those comments that I was thinking, was I not happy before? Yeah. You know, because I, I definitely thought I was. Even back in August, I wrote a post about like how th- I, this is a happy, I'm having a really good year. I'm so happy with my life. And that's right before everything imploded. I look, I would scroll back on my feed and I'd be like, I thought I was happy then. Hmm. But look at my life now. It's so much better. And so that's the kind of stuff I was like, oh, obviously I'm doing something right now. And um, it's been, it's been really good ever since. So definitely it's been fast. But I, it feels right. But it's probably all the work you've done though. That's my whole point. I think so. Yeah. You know, I know for me, I didn't even do any personal development or Mm self-awareness work or any of that until shit hit the fan. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh fuck, like I have no tools for this. Nothing's getting better. I don't know how to handle this. I need stuff. And that's when I started delving in. I think a lot of people do. They wait till they have that oh shit moment. And then they're all of a sudden like, I don't have any tools. You've been doing so much work for such a long time. And and you you know yourself obviously so well. And I had, um, I mean, I'm still a work in progress in many ways. Like I'm still working on my self-esteem, for example. Oh, um, (laughs) building back up from zero, from nothing. And even the way, like I remember in the beginning, um, with you know my new boyfriend, he'd be like, weeks ago, like months ago, he'd be like, you know how many times you apologize to me every day for things that you are not in the wrong for? Mm. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, stop, you're not sorry. <laughs> he apologized for saying yeah. sorry. And then even last week, I was like, do you feel like I say it less now? He's like, oh, way less. You apologize uh, way less now. Even things like that, it's just it takes time, you know, or constantly asking for reassurance. Am I annoying? Right? Or like, am I fun to be around? Yep. Because I had been told for so long, you're annoying. You're No one wants to be around you. No one wants to be friends with you. You're unfriendly. You're so cold. And then believing that because that's all I would be told for so long. So unlearning those self-beliefs and things have been have been so, so good. And um, I, I think even too, my my business has was very robust. Uh, I took the, you know, I did things the right way with my business. So I had a really solid team. So when, sh- when shit did hit the fan and I had to step away from work for a month, six weeks and where it was not my top focus, I was, it was still able to chug along without my having to be hands-on because I had delegated enough of my tasks and so on to where it could operate without my having to be there every day. So that was a huge help as well. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good feeling. Yeah. I love that. So if, if one piece of advice if per- someone is going through or maybe they were with where you were last fall and they're like I know I can't stay here but I'm scared to do anything differently mm-hmm. my self-esteem has been beat down mm-hmm. what's one small thing that they should start to do um, I would say do an audit of the people in your life um, who you're hanging around uh, because whether you realize it or not they do influence your behavior I eat like Ben now because I'm with him every day like I don't even notice it things like it's even small things like that or just if you're around someone who's always negative what is that going to do for you right it's just simple things and so just even if you don't act on it just 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 think oh this person I spend a lot of time around this person and I kind of feel like he has a negative influence on me in these ways oh interesting observation maybe I'll do something about it <laughs> you know just think about it and so then good. see where it goes from there Love it. So this is uh, the Best Life podcast, and we want to know what does the best life look like to you? What does your best life look like? 
I love this question. <laughs> I feel like this is my life theme this year. So yeah, I just turned 30. I'm like, oh my God, new decade, new relationship, new love, everything, new city. So and I'm so excited. I think for me, my best life has a lot to do with pursuing what I love, what I'm passionate about, um, and making money doing what I love, which I know is a huge blessing and spending time with the people that I love and doing things that make me happy, setting my boundaries, uh, taking ample downtime and traveling and trying to be, I'm trying to work on it still, trying to be unapologetic about what actually makes me happy and, and doing more of those things rather than people pleasing, rather than letting people step all over me and so on. So definitely pursuing passions. I love it. And, and where do people find you and how do they get on this newsletter that we get all the juice? Yes. Okay. So, um, so he is my website and all my social media platforms are so he fit, but I'm not on Snapchat and I'm also not on TikTok. There <laughs> we go. Uh, so Danny you'll never J's find me on there. TikTok yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, ugh, I'm like, oh no, not another social media platform. I'm like, yeah. I can't even keep up with my current ones. But you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you'll find me on there. Um, there's a link tree on my Instagram URL bio. You can find all my links to my newsletter, my products, everything there. Um, for now, for the next couple of weeks, probably I still have that pers- very personal email, the newsletter, as the auto response when you sign up is the first thing you get. Cool. So for anyone, I'll say like, oh, you want to know what happened to my life because I was getting questions. I'm like, oh, just sign up to my newsletter. You'll get it right away. All the details are there for you. It's good um, like bait for you your newsletter. To, I know, right? Like, <laughs> you want the juicy gossip? Go ahead and sign up. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like the five tip download, just like here's the gossip. Yeah, yeah. Here's my, I I everyone, use that everyone loves gossip. I use that strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been cathartic for you to talk about it? I mean, I love um, like Brene Brown's work, obviously. Like, oh, Shane I Kenzer love her. Yeah, spoken, yeah. So it's like being able to talk about it and normalize it. Has it been yes. cathartic for you? Yes, completely. Uh, I, I don't think I would have been able to um, sleep well at night if I had just continued, like buried it and moved on because uh, of the lessons, because it was such, uh, you know, it was a longer term relationship and it was someone well known in the industry and of the impact that it had on me and, and all the ways that I felt like it held me back um, that I'm just starting to realize now, you know, and now people are like, oh, even now, like. I don't talk about it all the time anymore, but it's still like, oh, it's nice seeing you so happy. Mm. I get that from messages from people who have been like personal friends of mine for years. They're now like, you look so happy now. And I'm like, "Mm, good. I'm not because I'm no longer holding back. Right. So if my thing is like, if something makes me happy and if I want to share it, why would you not share it? So I'm moving more in that direction and trying to feel comfortable being myself more online. And it's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. We love it. it. Yeah. We love it. Appreciate you for sharing. I think it allows other people to do the same. Like we give them permission to yeah. share and get out of their stories yeah. too when you I share. Mean, there's so many, there are women who I've read about women who they're like, oh, my husband had an affair um, 10 years ago and I've told no one. Yep. Yep. Like that's the stuff that yeah. makes me go, oh my God, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. Yep. Yep. We get those too. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. There's so much shame and like embarrassment around it. I felt it. shame. Yeah. I didn't tell my parents for over a month because I felt ashamed. Why? Right. I was embarrassed that a relationship didn't work. Right. Anyway. Ugh. But that's how it works. So for some reason we take it on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. We like, take okay, the responsibility. We're not the one. Yeah. But we take it on too. Right. Because if, yeah. 
anyway well you're amazing and thank, thank you, you so much for and i fun. know how much your time is worth and i know how you structure your schedule we're yeah the same. Okay. yeah i'm gonna uh, go nap now yeah, yeah i'm gonna go like take the rest of the day off uh need tomorrow off too um but you're the best and thank you so much thank for making you. the trick and we're so excited for this episode to for come sure. out and we will definitely uh have people hitting you up in the dms cool. so make yes. sure you guys reach out i'd love that and divulge i love hearing from my and followers. get on her newsletter so you get the juice <laughs> bye guys you.